0: What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, G.B. Gerard Bonner. Hope you guys are doing well on this Wednesday episode of the show. Now, I know, Wednesday episode of the show, trust me, the weekly roundup is coming later today, so stay tuned. Don't miss that, but I had to give you a little bit of a quick hit, because that's just... What we do, right? So shout out to everybody who continues to follow and interact with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. If you're not doing so, go ahead and give us a follow. I'm certain you're going to enjoy the content that we have for you there. Shout out to everyone who is subscribed to our podcast and listens regularly. I really appreciate you guys. If you're not doing so, go ahead and search for The Faction or The Faction Bonnerfied on whatever platform you use for your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, and leave us a comment as well. We certainly want to hear your commentary and rate us while you're doing that as well. All right, so we have a lot to get to today. Uh, let's start with this. Of course, uh, it's time to look at our Monday Night Raw ratings. Now, we haven't talked about this much ever since they've gone to the PC in the empty arena format, but I do think it's important as we take a look at this was not just any Monday Night Raw. It was the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, which historically has been not just one of the most unpredictable shows of the year, but one of the highest viewed shows of the year. And so this year's Raw After WrestleMania clocked in with 2.118 million viewers. Now, how does that compare? Well, it's up 10% from last week, which was at 1.92 million viewers, and that happened to be the second lowest non-holiday Raw viewership in history. And this show marks the third lowest viewership for Raw of 2020. So, there's a couple of things that are just undeniable, one of them being this. People just aren't as interested in an empty arena show versus an arena packed with fans. That's one thing, and not even WrestleMania can change that. But I'm sure they are happy about, they being WWE, are happy about the uptick uh, for Monday Night Raw this week. Now, let's put this in perspective. It was 28% down from the Raw after WrestleMania 35, which last year drew 2.9 million views viewers and that episode was 11 percent up from the go home show last year as well so yeah it's a pretty significant moment but historically these numbers have been dropping because the monday night raw after wrestlemania 34 get this drew in 3.9 million viewers So the Raw after WrestleMania 34, nearly four million viewers. The Raw after WrestleMania 35, nearly three million viewers. And this Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania 36, barely over two million. So you could argue a lot of things about this. But here's one of the things that's undeniable. We're in a pandemic, and not only are we in a pandemic, but the impact to Monday Night Raw is this. People want to see fans in the seats, and not just that, but you have to tell a great story, and there's a lot of things that are very difficult. It's supposed to be the most unpredictable Monday Night Raw, but again, that's because of the presence of the fans, and... It's a taped Raw versus a live Raw. So you've got all of those factors that you have to factor in there. Not to mention, but the cable news outlets were winning, certainly because of all the coverage of the coronavirus. But again, I say, tell a great story. I mean, let's look at it. Most of your top-name talent from WrestleMania were not present for the Raw Go-Home Show. Uh, Drew McIntyre, the new champion. And let's just think about this, right? So normally the Raw after WrestleMania will start with whoever the champion is or the most significant moment from the night before. This year's image starting Raw after WrestleMania, a match between Asuka and Liv Morgan. Yeah, it just doesn't do the same thing. We did not have an appearance from the WWE Champion. Instead, it was an appearance that was taped 20 minutes after WrestleMania. So that was kind of weird. We didn't hear from Brock Lesnar. We didn't hear from Edge or Randy Orton. We didn't hear from most of the folks we probably should have heard from. No Becky Lynch. Matter of fact, the only champions that were present were... The Street profits, and that was really used to help introduce Bianca Belair to the Monday Night Raw audience. So it's kind of understandable why Raw's numbers were so low. Here's the real question. We've gotten through Raw. We've gotten through WrestleMania. What will... Raw look like next week as now we're starting to build towards money in the bank what are the stories that are going to be told Uh, we don't know if it's going to be another taped show or if it will be live we're not sure yet so a lot of interesting things to take a look at relative to Monday Night Raw we're still waiting to see what Smackdown is going to look like this Friday but hopefully they will take some cues from Monday Night Raw and bring in some of the folks we want to see or hear from post-Wrestle Speaking of WrestleMania, uh, this particular day, April the 8th, marks a very unfortunate date in pro wrestling history as it was this day six years ago that the Hall of Famer and former WWE champion, The Ultimate Warrior, passed away. He passed away uh, because of a heart attack shortly after landing back in Arizona following the festivities of WrestleMania 30. So I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about the impact of the Ultimate Warrior. Of course, he first came into prominence uh, as part of a tag team called the Blade Runners. Well, really, originally, the Blade Runners were known as the Freedom Fighters. And it was Sting and the Ultimate Warrior who were then known as Flash and and Justice, respectively. They debuted in Memphis's CWA, or the Continental Wrestling Association, and uh, they spent some time battling the Rock and Roll Express and the Fabulous Ones. They would end up in UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation, in 1986, where they became the Blade Runners. Uh, The Ultimate Warrior would be known as Rock, and Sting would then be known as Sting. And so they certainly were a take on the road warriors. But the ultimate warrior really started to make some waves when he moved to world-class championship wrestling in 1986 and was then known as the Dingo Warrior. And there he had feuds with Ravishing Rick Rude. He also battled Buzz Sawyer and Matt Bourne and became a tag team with Lance Von Eric, where they would go on to win the world-class Tag Team Championships. But it was in 1987 where things began to change, where he joined the WWE. And originally, he carried the moniker of the Dingo Warrior until after lots of confusions about dingo warrior, road warriors, the modern day warrior, they went with the ultimate warrior and he made an impact very quickly who can forget SummerSlam 1988, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was scheduled to battle the Honky Tonk Man the Honky Tonk Man at the time and still is the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time well that would be stopped after Brutus the Barber Beefcake who was scheduled to battle for the intercontinental champion Championship had a parasailing accident. His face was destroyed. He could not compete. Who would be the last-minute replacement? The Ultimate Warrior, who would win the Intercontinental Championship in less than 60 seconds. He did it, in fact, in 27 seconds at SummerSlam 1988, the inaugural SummerSlam, and that ended the 454-day reign of the Honky Tonk Man. The Ultimate Warrior had a pretty significant uh, title reign as well. He ended up being the Intercontinental Champion until WrestleMania V where he would lose that to Ravishing Rick Rude, but then he would regain the title back at SummerSlam from Rick Rude. But perhaps his most famous match and arguably his most famous positive moment in pro wrestling came as the main event of WrestleMania 6. In the first ever title for title match at WrestleMania, as he, being the Intercontinental Champion, battled Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship. Both titles were on the line. The Warrior hands Hulk Hogan his first WrestleMania loss, kind of starting what many believe was the Toronto Sky Dome curse for Hulk Hogan, as Hogan would never win a WrestleMania in the Sky Dome. Warrior became champion and held that title, uh, really from WrestleMania six to the Royal Rumble in 1991, where he would lose that title to Sergeant Slaughter. Arguably, one of his other most famous matches was then WrestleMania seven, him battling. Randy Savage in a retirement match where he would retire Randy Savage. Things got a little controversial for the Warrior because of course, SummerSlam 91, he was accused of holding Vince McMahon up for half a million dollars. He was subsequently fired. He would return during WrestleMania 8, but it did not look like or feel like the same Ultimate Warrior. He would leave the company and then 1996, he would return at WrestleMania 12 to defeat Triple H in Triple H's WrestleMania debut. But then, he would again leave the WWE and from there show up in, of all places, WCW, where he would look to have a rematch from WrestleMania six with Hulk Hogan. That didn't exactly go according to plan, and yeah, it was just kind of a crazy space for the Ultimate Warrior. He would uh, be involved in quite a bit of controversy upon leaving WCW, and if you remember some of the videos that came out of uh, the DVDs. DVDs about the Ultimate Warrior, most in WWE did not have very kind things to say, and it began an estranged relationship between the WWE and the Ultimate Warrior that saw the Ultimate Warrior actually change his legal name from Jim Hellwig to Warrior. And in so doing, he would hope to gain control of his name and his likeness. Well, The ironic part is the two would come together in 2014, and it was in 2014 that the Ultimate Warrior would take his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. WrestleMania 30, that weekend was so special because it was the first time back for the Ultimate Warrior, and it would unfortunately be his last Time There I was there the night of Monday Night Raw when he made his final public appearance and I can tell you I even leaned over to my then girlfriend now wife and told her I said warrior doesn't look good something's wrong he was winded when he would shake the ropes and you know if you go back and check out that video um, he even spoke kind of cryptically not sure if he knew his own death was coming uh, the next day but it was cryptic speech for sure. Be that as it may, The Ultimate Warrior would leave us April the 8th. 2014, his legacy lives on in a lot of ways, including the Warrior Award, which was created in 2015 at the Hall of Fame, uh, which was given not necessarily to wrestlers at all, but to fans and to other people who are making a huge difference and embody the strength of the Ultimate Warrior. So, long live the Ultimate Warrior who passed away this day in 2014. I want to ask you what you believe the legacy of the Ultimate Warrior is. There's a lot of controversy that I did not get into, and maybe we'll dive into during the show today, Um, but what's your legacy and your memory of The Ultimate Warrior, and should The Ultimate Warrior be mentioned perhaps amongst the top 20 wrestlers of all time? I want to hear from you by way of social media, and if we hear from you soon enough, we might even mention it in this afternoon's podcast. So We definitely want to hear from you at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, And make sure you subscribe to our podcast Remember, stick around because this afternoon Our weekly roundup is coming We're going to be talking the latest episode of Dark Side of the Ring We're going to get the opinions of my good brothers Courtney and Brandon Clack for Wrestlemania 36 There are differing opinions, I can tell you that now On some of the big matches and the event itself So we'll get into that and much more until later today it's your man gb gerard bonner signing off for my good brothers courtney beard and brandon clack together we are the faction